I'm not sure there's a simple answer. I mean, opening any type of business is always a risk. Sometimes it's, it's timing. It could be location. There's things I believe are important if you're going to open another studio that you should consider whether you're going to be successful or not. You know, I can't be sure. There's not a magic number in your bank account. I think, you know, you have to make a decision and take a risk and and decide if you can make a second studio a success. Hi, this is Amy, the Senior Group Fitness Instructor at the Indoor Cycle Instructor Podcast. Are you looking for a spark of inspiration to bring to your next class? Find us at IndoorCycleInstructor.com. Hi, and welcome to another episode of the Indoor Cycle Instructor Podcast. Uh, this one's specific to all you existing or uh, aspirational indoor cycling studio owners. When does it make sense for you to open your second studio? Great question. I know uh, from talking to probably hundreds of either existing or future or wannabe studio owners uh, that the dream is to leverage all the expertise you develop in one place and possibly clone it in another. So uh, to get some input on that, Nancy Katinas of The Revolution in, uh, she's actually now has two studios, one in Clifton Park and the other in Londonville, New York. So welcome, Nancy. Hi. Tell us a little bit about Nancy first. Uh, what's your fitness background? Well, I've been teaching indoor cycling for almost 17 years now. And I've. Wow. Yeah, long time. Because I've seen your picture, and, and I'm guessing you probably started when you were like six. <laughs> yeah, just about that time. Just when I was <laughs> tall enough to reach the pedals, that's when I started my my journey. Um, I have uh, I'm more of a, a fitness instructor. Um, in the past, I've taught you know step aerobics and um, some body weight training classes, and I really started it out as a as a hobby. I was, my background is in education and I was a school teacher and I decided to stay home with my children. And in that time, I was an active member at the local gym where the owner convinced me to do teach a spin class. And I was very nervous about it, but then I got certified through Mad Dog Athletics and Started there and continued to get some um, group fitness instructor trainings, and it kind of snowballed. I continued to do that while I was home with my children, and when my youngest child was ready to go to school full-time, I started to um, consider going back to work when I was approached by um, my current partners to potentially open up my own studio. Um, that was that. How how did that feel when they they said that to you? Was it overwhelming? Was it exciting? It was exciting, you know? and it was still a very new concept in this area. Um, I really had nothing to lose because I had been um, you know home with my children for so long. I was just going to start to dabble back into um, my previous um, career, and I loved 
you know, teaching all the classes. So I hated the thought of having to give up um, doing so many, it, you know, if had I gone back to, you know, a somewhat nine to five or eight to four type of job. And uh, it w- certainly it was flattering that the reason they came to me was because, um, you know, it was at the time the local place that we um, took classes was just expanding at the seams and people could not get into certain classes, one of them being um, one of my popular spin classes. So okay. that's how that awesome. started. I was kind of like selected. Um, you were selected. Well, and that, you know, to have an anchor, for lack of a better term, celebrity instructor uh, who's proven ability to fill classes uh, makes perfect sense. What were what were the backgrounds of the of the other people that uh, had approached you or actually part of your team now? Uh, my two partners are both attorneys. <laughs> Oh, well, that's convenient. It was very convenient. So we met um, with a notebook, a pencil, and at a Starbucks. And six months later, we were in our first studio. Um, I have the, you know, the background to uh, put together a schedule of classes. You know, we took some risks. We made some changes. We switched into indoor cycling. Right. Yeah. To be clear, you teaching more, well, I guess we'd call unconventional uh rhythm classes karen kassler you heard her interview yes part of your prep and that's i think she's probably the one that coined that phrase or at least i'll give her credit were you teaching that type of a format uh at, at your original location no my original location was a gold's gym in um new york and they were licensed spin and it was only spin so i taught spin classes uh in their spin studios at the, within the gym. And then, you know, on the second floor was step classes I taught or um, in a yoga style room, I taught um, core classes or, or things like that. So it was all separate. But when we, um, you know, we started to pay attention to the trend in New York City and um, with the Soul Cycle and the Flywheel, and it really made a lot of sense to us, some of the things we wanted to incorporate into our classes. Again, it was a very new concept here. So it was something, um, you know, that was somewhat of a challenge taking a risk. You know, I was passionate about it and I believed that, uh, you know, we could make something, um, unique and, you know, it's not super unique anymore, but when we started it, it was somewhat, and we've actually coined our classes revolution classes. So the term revolution for us is the cycling part. So we have classes, true revolution would be all cycling. Then we have um, absolute revolution. See how we played with those words? Oh, sure, sure. And so it's 45 minutes of riding and 50 minutes of core and ab work. Um, Interval revolution, which is um, we incorporate some hand weights into um, and sometimes that's done on the bike and sometimes it's done off the bike. We don't force anyone to stay on the bike. We have a nice size studio. We're lucky that it's, it's you know, decent amount of room where some people like to stand next to their bike and do the arms for the two or three minutes and then put them back and or put them back either on the floor or on the side by their bike and get back on and keep riding. We also have circuit revolution, which is where we get off the bike and do um, maybe a Tabata circuit with mountain climbers or push-ups or something, you know, squats 
body weight exercises. Yeah. And then we okay, just perfect. push it back right into onto the bike and, uh, you know, you get the best of everything. I'm always curious about the team makeup. And so you've got you as a teacher slash group fitness instructor. You've got a couple of attorneys. I'm not hearing anybody that has any managerial or uh, personnel type experience. How, how, how did you, uh, how'd you deal or cope with that? Well, I mean, my husband, uh, he actually does a lot of the tech work for us. So he's kind of behind the scenes, does a lot of the software, you know, the, the whole mind body. Um, we've all learned pieces of it, but luckily he had a, a better grip on that piece of it. The, my partners had a, had a good grip on, you know, a business sense and legal, um, you know, you got to go through a lot of, uh, which is important. Very important. Yeah. Right. You've got to go through it. Okay, but how about managing the people? Um, you know what? I think it just was, came somewhat natural to me. Um, when I first started out, I, because I was, um, instructing for so many years locally, um, i clearly had a lot of connections to some really strong fitness instructors. And I reached out to a couple of, you know, friends who were strong instructors, small group. I started, I think, with five or six. And, you know, that was my team to get started. So they they took a chance on me. And I surrounded myself with what I would consider to be um, leaders, you know, and they had to awesome. be willing, they had to be willing to, you know, not everybody likes to come out of the big box gyms where it's easy to fill a class. And, you know, there's always people waiting for you. Um, at the time, you know, the concept of paying per class was, was new. And, right. you know, you had to get people to buy into the studio. Right. Well, you bring up a very interesting point where you're right. Yeah. If you're in a big box, um, you, you people, you just got people to, to, you know, to come to your class. When you move to a studio, um, am I hearing you say that the, the promotional need on the instructor got greater in order to, you know, kind of own their class and to fill it through their own efforts? Well, my decision was to surround my, myself, align myself with instructors that I thought were, in my opinion, strong for many reasons, personality, um, ability, knowledge, and certainly came with a reputation that people are going to want to come to their class. Um, it's really important that you staff your studio with instructors. They do not need to be cookie cutters. That's not, that was never my thing. I didn't want everyone to be the same, but everybody had to have some type of X factor or some type of appeal to the larger population. And, you know, I certainly don't put space fillers in there. Give me an understanding of the technology that you're using, because my understanding is that although you're using just conventional indoor cycles, what type? We still have our um, pro spinners. So, all right. So you've got just conventional Star Trek pro spinners, but you are using technology in a non-conventional class format. Explain what you're doing. We decided that we wanted to, you know, step things up a little bit. It was time. It's 2016. You know, the Fitbits are flying off the shelves, the um, heart rate monitors and all that accountability, the jawbone, get to get people moving and paying attention to what they're actually doing while they're in class. 
because we have the pro spinner, you know, your somewhat basic bike, which we, you know, we spend a lot of time and energy keeping those bikes running smoothly. That's really important too. If you want your studio to be successful, you cannot have broken bikes. They have to be working for everybody. Roger that. Yes. So we do stay on top of our bikes. Now we were making a decision whether we were going to upgrade the bikes themselves, which is wonderful. But as every studio owner knows, that is not a cheap thing to do. (laughs) How many cycles do you have? We have 31 in in each studio. So yeah, so 30 times 2,060 grand. Yeah, that's a lot of money, you know, to... Just in rough numbers. I don't know exactly what everybody costs, but just... Well, you know, there's, yeah, there's certainly different levels, but, you know... At the end of the day, the delivery, the installation, you know. So we knew that some of the software, which would have included, you know, your watts and power, RPMs, needed to be on a more advanced cycle. So we were playing with those different ideas in our head. And what we came up with is is the Performance IQ, which... Another studio in our area is the Orange Theory Fitness, which uses the same software. Correct. But they're using it just for the heart rate training. Yes. You know, I spoke with Tay, who is involved with Performance IQ, and really ran a lot of different ideas by him and how to, you know, implement some, you know, software into, you know, to to update our riding, if you will, you know, take it to the next level at a price that we can afford. And we came up with using just the heart rate piece. However, this turned out, in my opinion, to be a really good thing because many people in our studios are between the ages of, let's say, the average age is between 25 and 55. So a lot of people are a little bit, um, some of the old, maybe older middle-aged people, you know, are not quite as tech savvy and you can't bombard people with so much information. A lot, we get, we get 30 new people a month that have never been on a bike that we have set up, you know, that we're wow, always, we're always setting people up. So now you throw in all this software and technology and you really blow their mind. You know, it's just, it's very overwhelming. So it turned out by starting with just the piece that's working the heart rate, it shows the work zones. It shows your current heart rate and calories burned, which is huge. People love to see their calories burning. And then there's also another score. It's called the IQ points. And those are the calories that, in theory, you're going to continue to burn because after a, an intense workout, your body is continue to burn calories at a higher rate. And those are the IQ points. Those points are determined by how much time you spend in each of those zones during the workout. Okay. And the zones are based on colors. And so your blue zone is anything under 60%. 60 to 70% is your green zone. 70 to 80 is your yellow 80 to 90 is your orange, and anything over 90 is your red zone. You actually gain the most amount of IQ points in your orange zone, not your red. Everybody wants to be in red. It's, you know, a very intense zone, but it's the orange zone. So people love to know that they're actually earning these points, which are more calories. So that's basically all, you know, it's all the heart rate. 
you see it up on the flat screen. And then there's lots of great drills that the instructor can use to motivate people. And not everybody in our studio is on a monitor. It's, it's simply by choice. They can either invest in, the, in the, that piece of it or they can continue taking classes at their favorite studio with their favorite instructor the same way they always have been. Just blind. Yep. And that's the okay. way we've done it for, you know, before we implemented the Performance IQ, I think we implemented uh, sometime in November. That's the way we've always done it. It's great. You get a great workout. It's fun. You have awesome instructors. But you know what, John? It's getting a little stale with all this great technology and stuff that we have in 2016. Popular shows like The Biggest Loser are using Performance IQ software. A lot of our clients invest in that type of programming. Okay, so now you've created your studio and you've added this technology and you're filling up regularly, I imagine. And then I, I should I should also ask the loaded question, you're profitable, yes? Yes. Okay, so you're profitable. And as at the very beginning of this, I kind of teased everybody and said, how do you know when it's time to start studio number two? Is there a simple answer to that or is is it complicated? Well, you know, I'm I'm not I'm not sure there's a simple answer. I mean, opening any type of business is always a risk. Sometimes it's it's timing, it could be location. There's things I believe are important if you're going to open another studio that you should consider whether you're going to be successful or not, you know, I can't be sure. There's not a magic number in your bank account. I think, you know, you have to make a decision and take a risk and and decide if you can make a second studio a success. Some of the things that are important are location. I mean, everybody knows that. It's location. We're not New York City. We cannot have a studio. Where are you geographically uh, in the state? Uh, the Capital District. We're uh, Saratoga County and um, Albany County. Got like it. right okay. in that area, um, upstate New York. So there's still a lot of people there. Oh yeah, we're we, but we live in you know much more suburban area. And the reason I, I was saying about New York City is you know SoulCycle has studios a couple of blocks from each other, and they have the amount of mass um, population to draw those people in. Um, when you are looking to to put a studio somewhere, you really have to consider the location. And putting studios too close together could be a mistake because you're not going to double your clients. You're going to have clients that frequent both studios at their convenience, which is which is a great perk, but it's not going to double your clientele. And that's going to okay. affect well, your profit. Right. And I understand that. Yeah, the location or finding a location is probably the hardest thing there is uh, in starting a studio. I mean, you can have all the motivation in the world, but if you can't find a good location, it's, it's not going to happen. So when did you or your team decide it was time to start looking? Um, I think, you know, like all studio owners or most, when you put your plan in place to open up your first studio, you always have a bigger picture. And you, Everybody does. Right. Yeah. So our, our picture wasn't gigantic. It was actually three. We Our, our thoughts were three studios, um, with this one being our anchor and one being further north and one being further south. Um, so we had that plan in the back of our head. And after the first year or two years, actually, we saw some, some really good growth. We were fortunate enough that 
our current landlord who owns the plaza was thinking about building another plaza. So suggested that, you know, we, we teamed up with him to look at the property and see if we can make a second studio. Oh, that sounds very fortunate. Very, so, very. So, so he was building his building with you in mind. Yes. Okay. That's, that's, I don't think anybody gets that. No. Well, and you know what? Looking looking forward as as we do, um, we've searched out other locations. We look in into um, um, uh, locations. What's the word I'm looking for? We look into space that we can replicate our studio in. Okay. Okay. So we don't want you know you you've got to set a standard. So you can't just put your studio, you know, in in a place that's doesn't is not at its that you don't feel is up to standards right yeah because i know there's a lot of settling that has that occurs yeah it's difficult uh, just out of frustration of, of you know you have this perfect place in your mind but you have to and there's a lot of things that go into it and anybody who's doing indoor cycling knows that a big expense is the bikes so on top of the space, you've got to have the bikes, you've got to have the circulation, you've, you know, for, you've got to have the, the venting system, you've got to have a good stereo system, you've got to have awesome lighting. Um, mm-hmm. That very often comes with darkening, you know, shades or, you know, picking a, let's say you're in a shopping center type of um, layout, you know, you might want to be picking where there's less windows, Okay. Do you offer showers? We do not. We do not. Okay. Do you think that? Do you think that is a problem, or would you benefit from having them? What's, what's well, one of on our that? studios does have a shower for the instructors. Um, it's basically in the closet. Um, okay. It's a, it's just a small <laughs> shower. You know, it the challenge comes with staffing your studio. Okay, we don't staff our studio with front desk people when we're not open. We're only open during classes. So it becomes a challenge because you can't hang around waiting for people to shower. It, 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 it defeats the whole idea of the whole studio appeal. The boutique aspect of it, right. So, so you want people just to go in and then leave. Yeah, well, I mean, it, we, we would benefit in some ways with um, getting more clientele, maybe in those early mornings and, and whatnot. But we don't, we're not putting in big locker rooms with showers and hair dryers. And, you know, you really can't do it. Because you have to staff for that cleaning and maintenance. And, and, and someone else. has to wait there and lock the doors and shut everything down. Got you know, okay. so you're staffing someone to, to wait. And I will say when we first opened, we were unique in this area as far as studio style, boutique type of classes. So the, you know, I left a big box gym that had a beautiful um, locker room with showers and granite and all this wonderful stuff. So, you know, a lot of clients you know, had to make that decision whether they wanted to come over and do class with us and shoot home and shower or shoot to the office and shower. Because let's face it, if you're doing a good indoor cycling class, you need a shower. <laughs> yes, you do. Okay. And I think that that's where some of the other type of midday classes um, for some offices, it's, it's, it's tricky to take an indoor cycling class 
any time of the day because you do need a shower or -hmm. some kind of cleanup. (laughs) Okay. So what, tell me quickly, uh, what is your schedule during the day? Well, this is another thing for people to consider when they're doing more than one location is we have had to, it took me some time to feel out the schedule for a second studio because the times that are successful in one studio were not successful in the other studio. Um, That is because of location. That is because of traffic and one studio is located in a much busier traffic area where I'm getting more people coming from work or, you know, on their way home from work. And they are in that um, traffic hour, really troubled to get to a class, in, in, in come into the studio, change their clothes and get on the bike in time for the start of a class. The other studio is in a much more suburban area um, with you know, after school traffic, we have a very big school district here. So there is some, a lot of traffic at certain times with, you know, after school sports and busing. However, 6 p.m. in one studio works fantastic. And in the other studio, it has to be before six or after six, because 6 p.m. the traffic is just brutal for people to get started on time. Interesting. You know, and then one studio tends to bring in more of the 5.30 a.m.s because I think they shoot off to work where there's more traffic and the suburban, more suburban area gets more at eight thirty, nine thirty in the morning. The housewife, the housewife type class. Right. What's tricky about that is we do not have daycare. We'll never have daycare. It's just something we're never putting in. I don't think, I don't know any studios that have daycare, um, but that, you know, so now you have to appeal to people who can be there and don't need childcare. Got it. But you know what, John? So many people have mobile offices and flexible time these days that uh, you're you're absolutely right. Yeah, so many are at least part of the week working from home, and yeah, and yeah. So and we're not they figure it out. Yeah, and we're not bombarded at that time, but we are. You know, we can certainly have enough people to hold some classes at the other studio. That time doesn't work. Next topic, Nancy, staffing for your second studio. How how did you go about that? Well, once again, I aspire to align my studios with the top staff. Um, that that you know requires doing your homework, and your homework involves you know seeking out where there are um, popular instructors. Luckily, I have spent a lot of time in the fitness field in this area before opening my studio. And that means I've gone to other places to work out. You know, you've got a lot of, you know, when you're, when you're bit by the workout bug, you got a lot of friends who do the same. So, um, that part making the connections was not challenging, but what, what is important is again, finding staff that, um, really come with, some type of personality, some type of following, some type of reputation. And see, I was really lucky. I, I brought in some veterans for my first studio. Um, in that time, when we were thinking about doing the second studio, um, we reached out to veterans in that area, which was, you know, separate from where we were. But I also, I, I found some clients in classes that we chose to train. 
Oh, perfect. You, you develop some instructors. Absolutely. We held our own training. That's, that's something really important and very unique. Um, we, a lot, you know, you get a lot of pressure um, to follow certain certifications for certain programs. Um, you have to gain, you have to have enough knowledge in what you're doing and confidence in your product what you want, the type of classes you want in your studio. To be able to implement that, you have to be able to train people. You don't, you're not training a personality, but you're training, you know. That is a theme that I am recognizing uh, across successful studios. The owners have decided that, that they need to train instructors to, to, to teach and to conduct their class, um, the way they want that done starting from soul cycle and working on down i mean they all are i think are successful because of and you so but you create some symmetry in your classes they're not the same because they're different personalities but there is some consistency class to class yes there is i would say you know um your your studio is going to be successful if you have good instructors, they have to have the some kind of X factor. Not everybody, it's human nature to have favorites. But we, I have a team, and I'm very proud to say that there is, there's little to no drama. We do not have tolerance for that. So if you want to be part good for you. of you, I mean, it's, it's, it's huge. I mean, if you want to be part of our team, you, we, we welcome you with open arms. Every instructor has has helped. When I bring on new instructors, my um, requirement is that they have to team up with five different instructors before they, and they have to get feedback from that instructor. They got to learn something from that instructor, spend time with five different instructors before I, I release them out into the public. Of course, you know, this is based on, you know, not only training with myself and I've got a couple of go-to instructors who are many, many years experience um, that I send them to. But I also encourage them to go and they have to experience five different instructors feedback. Awesome. And they're, they're all different. They're, I, my instructors range in age from 21 to 51. And, you know, I don't have a lot of men. Um, that's you know, just the way it is right now. Um, but we ha everybody has something unique and something good to offer and everybody, um, helps each other. There's so many important things to teach in class other than your fitness. It's amazing. Right. So it sounds like you really created some, uh, really connected team. I, I think so. I absolutely think so. And some of my, um, my newest instructors have become rock stars. You know, they get that, you know, status where they're celebrity up there, you know, that people, you know, dying to get into their classes. What I pulled from in my, this is another important piece, is my instructors, if they're going to teach indoor cycling for me, they cannot teach indoor cycling anywhere else. They, they, that, that's an interesting concept. I was just chatting with Dennis Mellon, um, you know, one of our, lead master instructors and he ran into an instance where he was talking to another studio and, and they said yes you have to be exclusive and he said well i can't i i've got four other studios i teach at so what did you do with that 
You got to stick to your guns. We are, in my opinion and many opinions, the leaders in indoor cycling in this area. And we do not just hire anybody. We handpick, hand select, and then at the end of the day, it's numbers. Hey, we had a brief interruption, so I had to uh, reconnect with Nancy. Uh, so, Nancy, we were just chatting about uh, what do you do? You were stating that you uh, insist on exclusivity. I do. And you don't have that in a contract. That's a, that's a verbal agreement that I make with my instructors. Um, there's two things. One is when, when I first started, I couldn't ask for exclusivity. I only had about five or six instructors. Once we hit the ground running and we started picking up momentum, I from that point forward, I implemented that piece. I only have one instructor who's a longtime friend of mine over 20 years, took a chance on me when I opened, came over. She, she teaches only one class. She's the only instructor who teaches elsewhere. And it's because she has a bigger job at another big box gym. And she does some. However, she still draws in so many of those. It's not a, it's certainly not an issue. It's the place she's at and my place are not um, at a place of competition. But I make it clear to every instructor that comes on that if they want to work for us and and be part of the revolution, that they can teach any other classes anywhere else except for indoor cycling. So they've got a boot camp instructor. I've got a kettlebell instructor. I have, um, you know, people who have all different types of specialties, but they only instruct indoor cycling with me. And how do, how do I do that? I know that that's, you know, you do that a couple of ways. One, you be the best. You be the best studio around where the best instructors want to work for you. Because let's face it, if you're an awesome instructor, you want to work in an awesome place. And you have to surround yourself with an awesome team. <laughs> it's funny. We were chatting on beforehand and you were saying how much you, Karen sounded like you and <laughs> I'm hearing Karen in your voice. You're right. Yeah. You, you just have to have the awesome place and then the awesome instructors will follow. Yeah. And, and there are a few who, who did not, um, you know, flip over to, to me in the beginning. And I'll tell you, it's, um, you know, you, you start to second guess yourself, like maybe I should, but it was, it was one of the best decisions I made. I had to, you know, let go of some of the structure hoped would come over and you know what john th things change you train a new uh 22 year old you mold her you put her in there with your awesome veterans instructors to give her the him or her the best training experience and they become the new top dog in town so that's how that works you know you, you've got to let go of you know an instructor who doesn't want to be exclusive to you because there are others out there. And if there's not, if there's not certified, you know, instructors looking for positions, then you find them, you train them, you create them. We're a little different than the box gyms and we're not spinning. So we have the ability to be as creative and cutting edge as we want. Well, Nancy Katinas, The Revolution in Clifton Park and is it Loudonville? Loudonville. Loudonville. New York. I appreciate your time today. Thank Thanks you. Thanks so much.